0: Welcome to The Big Dig. I'm Noah Coughlin, founder and CEO of buildup.com. Buildup's in the know is a new data and analytics platform that keeps companies in the AEC industry on top of what's happening in their market and with their customers, past, present, and future. The Big Dig is a collaboration between NAOT, Massachusetts, and Buildup, highlighting developers, construction companies, and architects shaping the landscape here in and around Boston. We have a very exciting panel lined up today to discuss transit-oriented development. Over the past 10 years, the MBTA has sold or leased rights for over 50 transit-oriented development projects in and around Boston. The list of projects completed and in the pipeline reads like a top 10 list of the area's most exciting developments. Boston Landing, Assembly Row, Fenway Center, and the Hub-on Causeway as well as Union Square and Suffolk Downs, to name just a few. These projects are changing neighborhoods and bringing new life to underutilized land and air rights. Joining us, we have executives from Boston Properties, the MBTA in Arrow Street, as well as VHB. This expert group provides an insider view to all phases of transit-oriented development, from planning, through execution of these vibrant mixed-use projects. This episode of The Big Dig is brought to you by Arrow Street, a local award-winning architecture and design firm, and VHB, improving mobility, enhancing communities, and balancing development and infrastructure needs with environmental stewardship for over 40 years.
1: Hi everyone, Megan Doherty here from Build Up. Thank you for joining us and thank you to Boston Properties for hosting us here in the Prudential Center. Let's jump right in and meet our guests. Brian.
2: Brian Coop, Boston Properties. David
3: Boyce, Arrow Street. Peter Paravalos, MBTA. Elizabeth Grobe, VHB.
1: Great. So Peter, let's start with you to get a perspective from the MBTA. How do you decide what sites are primed for transit-oriented development?
3: Thanks, Megan. Well, uh, prime sites are typically underutilized parcels uh, or air rights that have the greatest potential for development, uh, primarily for their pro- proximity to key transit access points. Prime parcels can be parking lots at commuter stations that are underused, uh, MBTA parcels adjacent to the right-of-way to adjoining private land, allowing for the potential to unlock these parcels. Other prime locations can be air rights over stations, outdated or no longer optimal MBTA facilities with the potential for upgrades or to be reconfigured or relocated to to allow for redevelopment. Uh, We have some sites uh, available right now online, just to put in the plug for that, uh, mbta.com, active solicitations. We have a 50,000 square foot um, air rights offering at Porter Square Station that's over the Fitchburg line. We also have a, a parking lot disposition of 73,000 square feet um, in Reedville, and I know there's development happening there because I'm reviewing a development already across the street at that location. So at the T, we're pretty much open to discussions on any of our real estate assets. Um, If developers approach us with proposals containing unsolicited MBTA parcels or assets as as part of a proposal that they're they're putting forward, uh, we do work with them but have to put out an RFP for competitive procurement of that proposal Alternatively developers uh, can come to us with an innovation proposal and if you go to our website you can read all about an innovation proposal and what that entails. But essentially uh, with an innovation proposal one receives a sole source designation, so if they the only thing that would developer would have to do is prove that uh, they can only be the ones that can do a particular service um, in regards to that parcel, so they would win that parcel outright without having to do an RFP.
1: So let's discuss uh, the collaboration between the MBTA and developers um, and the importance of early communication with the MBTA. Elizabeth?
4: Thank you, Megan. That's um, exactly right. One of the first things we tell our clients um, is that early uh, coordination with the MBTA is not only helpful, but it's critical um, in moving a project forward. Um, There's so many issues that um, discovering up front sooner than later uh, really matters to the timeline and the development process.
5: From a design perspective, um, we look at it, and we understand that there are so many uh, different stakeholders in a project like this. Uh, for us, we're we're not just designing for the end users and our clients, who might be the developer, but we're also we're, we're having to figure out traffic flows for um, the tr- the transit users and and making sure that the MBTA's operations run smoothly as well.
2: Yeah, it's it's really it for us. It, it the projects that we've uh, completed. are underway. It's a practicality thing. We've got uh, for a northeast city, it's 200 years of infrastructure. And if you haven't really underwritten all the complexities of the site, um, you're you're in for uh, some rude awakening. There's just a lot going on and there's 200 years of history and infrastructure and systems. So it's absolutely important that you underwrite these sites.
4: That's an interesting concept that it's 200 years worth of infrastructure. Just to Peter's earlier point, the more that we coordinate on these aging systems um, is incredibly important. And on the other side, we're seeing so much innovation with garages that are being built. David, I know you touched on this before. When something's being built, it's being designed to be changed in the future, to become something else in the project because of these transit-oriented development projects are changing the way they either require parking now, but maybe in the future they'll require less.
5: We don't design uh, traditional parking garages anymore. All of our parking garages are designed to be adapted over time, whether that's adapted for uh, building on top of it, adapted for uh, reuse of those parking plates, or just adapted to allow for a much denser uh, use of parking. So right now, when people park, it takes eight and a half feet or nine feet of width. In the future, when cars park themselves, that can be reduced to just you know a fractions of an inch between cars because it's, it'll be so precise. So you can load more cars in the same amount of space. So we're designing all of that in now in all of our parking facilities.
2: It's so true, I mean, it's it's not a matter of if, it's when. And while we all debate what the timing's gonna be, it's coming soon and we're doing the same thing, whether it's the Prudential Center or the Hub on Causeway.
3: Yeah, so in, in, so in terms of how we, we work with developers, um... We we at the MBTA, we basically identify uh, operational challenges early on in the process, uh, limited construction work windows, um, clearance issues uh, with our infrastructure and the proposed infrastructure, um, vehicle access for maintenance vehicles. Uh, If a project um, is directly impacting the system, we help identify required building and design code implications and necessary upgrades being uh, a legacy system like everyone has mentioned. Um, a lot of our infrastructure um, is grandfathered in, uh, in terms of codes and standards, uh, but with new construction, upgrades are typically triggered um, and we do work with developers, the State Inspector, Inspectional Services of Boston to get them through the process. Um, we work through construction staging, logistics, uh, to ensure minimal service interruptions and uh, how a project is constructed, whether it has to be at night, non-revenue, revenue hours. Uh, during the weekend, whether there's flagging uh, or diversions.
5: Yeah, Peter, I think that's interesting because you don't necessarily think, there's a huge value of being able to build right next to these transit sites, but there's also a cost. So developers need to think about the fact that there are costs for MBTAs, um, safety crews to be there, there are costs for logistics, uh, and there are, you know, there are challenges there being that, clo- those cl- that close to those sites. Um, the benefit though is you can actually reduce your parking needs because so many of your residents are gonna wanna be there because they don't need a car.
4: You know, one thing we're seeing um, is that it's additional revenue for the MBTA, for the additional ridership, but on the other hand, there are impacts to transit service. And so we're also encouraging our clients to start the discussions early on about the level of impacts to transit, um, knowing that in some cases, if you have a really large development project, there could be potential mitigation to the MBTA to uh, modify some of the impacts that we have. So I think having that conversation um, early, Peter, as you were laying out is really helpful.
3: Yeah, and that's very very common, uh, especially with emergency egress or additional egress locations. Uh, We're finding that a lot of the land is being swallowed up by development, which is fantastic. Uh, we just are hoping that developers will sort of reach out during the Article 80 process with BPDA or actually come come to us before they, they go to the BPDA in hopes of, of getting a better understanding uh, of what they, they're dealing with at a particular site.
1: So on the development side of things, um, what is drawing top developers like yourself, Brian, to the projects um, between the Hub on Causeway and the South End Gateway you will have over three million square feet of transit oriented development so what was so attractive to you about these projects
2: two things one is on the strategic level or call it macro level um, we're a company that's committed to sustainability and we're passionate about it and um, absolutely one of the best ways to just crush carbon footprint is to build density on top of infrastructure that's already there and um, when we looked at um, North Station in particular, we found that we had 65% of all the stations in call it Metro or Eastern Mass connected to this one station. And you compare that to South Station, which is a great station as well, but 35% at that. It's it was just amazing to us, and we saw it as an underutilized um, call it station and an opportunity for density. So sustainability was huge, and we just think it's a great call it simplified tactic versus sometimes we look at our sites and we try to decrease our carbon footprint and you get into complexity about shuttle buses and all these things. Well how about let's just put it on top of train stations right, and utilize it that way. The second was that our clients, the office users, um, really love mass transit for a specific target client and that was for us TAMI, Technology, Advertising, Media and Information. and. When the crash hit in 2008 through 2010, we recognized that some of our primary customers in the office, call it fiery, office uh, zone of legal and finance weren't going to see the growth that they had over the previous 20 years. But we thought technology, and Tammy in particular, would. And when you interview those clients, they are lovers of mass transit, and particularly spots that are authentic neighborhoods and have all the amenities. And that led us right to North Station to the garden site owned by our JV partner, the the Jacobs family, Delaware North. And uh, you got to hand it to them. They had really thought out a vision for this site and held off on just doing something on it and waiting for the right thing. So we were very fortunate, and it's all come together in a great way. And we uh, applaud uh, Delaware North for their foresight.
4: You know, VHB was really fortunate to be able to work with you, Brian, on both of those projects. Um, and what we saw uh, that's different than some of our other projects we work on is that you really took sustainability from the beginning and it wasn't something you thought about at the end and when it's really taken as a as a forethought of how you're gonna guide the whole project it really makes a difference so it was it was great to work with you and your team on that
2: thanks it's a great example of begin with the end in mind right and um, so important for our projects we tend to always want to just drill down into the stuff we dig on these designs of these but if you have you know, a conscious regard for the environment as your long-term mission, it really helps out.
5: I think thinking of these things and when these projects are successful, they're, they're thinking of transit and the infrastructure as an amenity to the project. It's not just something that's there. It's not just, you know, a functional thing. It's actually an amenity and whether it's um, office as you're talking about or residential uh, being able to provide that to those tenants is something that only comes on these TOD sites.
2: Yeah, In a lot of ways, you know, we we talked earlier about 200 years of infrastructure, but it's really benefiting in the knowledge age. The knowledge age for our clients is all about retention and recruiting of talent. And the greatest way to be able to access talent is this great infrastructure that you got in place, Peter. I mean, it's there. Let's utilize it even more.
3: Yeah, and I I think just to echo what Elizabeth said, I think Boston Properties is doing a fantastic job. You guys are a great partner. Uh, not only at North Station and all that you've provided there for the T, but also at Back Bay Station um, on what's going on there. So I completely agree with your your take on using the infrastructure that's there, but you're not just using it, you're actually giving back, which is fantastic, which is what we're looking for.
2: Yeah, our teams, our collective teams are pretty proud of the enhancements we got there, especially when it comes to covered uh, tunnels that connect um, pieces that were there between the station and the T. You got better connection. We've increased the amenities in those spaces themselves, and they're certainly more uh, pleasant. We've cleaned them up a lot. And uh, it was a big win for both groups. And hey, kudos to our two teams, Peter, for connecting those things together.
3: Absolutely. I mean, you're even running back by station, so (laughs) thank you. Our pleasure.
1: (laughs) Well, let's talk about that running Back base Station. Um, not something I'm guessing you guys planned on doing, um, but it's an uh, important public-private partnership that you have with the T now. So can you expand on how that came to be and um, what the plan is going forward for that development?
2: Yes, yeah, the short version is when we bought the John Hancock Tower, now 200 Claritin, um, there was a parking garage that came with it, and that parking garage was above M D. MBTA land and it was a ground lease. So when we were looking at uh, could we develop that, uh, we went to MBTA and talked about the future and we talked about a bunch of different things and one of them was what were the things that they needed to get done, what we needed to get done, and how could we come together. And that particular train station um, had been one that, uh, Peter, you guys wanted to make some investments in and we found a way to cut a deal where we can make immediate investments in the train station and we were actually able to get involved and uh, work on those uh, things for cleaning it up and then the ongoing uh, operation of it. But I got to tell you, it's, it's a whole new skill set, and we're learning uh, daily <laughs> about what it's like to uh, help to support the operations MBTA in a very, very busy place. And the, the challenges are very different than a conventional or commercial uh, space. You've got all of uh, Boston flowing through these places.
4: You know, speaking of in- existing infrastructure and uh, MBTA stations, you got me thinking about South Station. Um, there's a lot of work going on there—the South Station expansion—and there's also a little bit of talk in the development world about some um, air rights.
3: Uh, the expansion of the bus terminal, not to be confused with the expansion of South Station, which uh, which has been uh, also uh, a lot of talk about. So this particular expansion is for the bus terminal and Tynes, um, and Anna Elizabeth, your team was involved uh, on the VHB side on the design of that work. Uh, But it looks like we're going to be hopefully going into construction in the fall. It's going to be a five-year project with the expansion of the bus terminal over the tracks uh, and then a 50-plus story building kind of between tracks five and ten. So that'll be a very congested and busy project. But in the long run, it's going to be beneficial for for everyone involved.
4: That's great, Peter. Just one follow-up question. What about that post office? Any... uh
3: no, no, no comment on that. So we're uh, we're sort of still waiting, waiting, and uh, and hoping uh, that we can move forward on that. But right now, I've got no information on that.
2: Outside of your jurisdiction. <laughs> That's huh?
3: correct. We're going to keep quiet on that one. I mean, as
5: architects, we really can't help ourselves. But look at that land. Um, the, I think it's site twenty-five and the other pieces of mastop property just south of there. And. You know, we've actually with our data scientists and, and some of our designers actually looked at those sites to try to evaluate what could be done there figuring out there's a lot of ground there's a lot of infrastructure but there's a lot of earth there too which makes building actually plausible
3: absolutely uh you know reestablishing dorchester avenue opening that up um there's a lot of land there um, yes there's enough for an expansion of south station with some tracks maybe 10 tracks maybe less but even after that, there's a there's a ton of developable land at that location.
1: So we touched on some of these larger, high-profile projects, but I, I believe there's transit-oriented projects going on throughout Boston um, and into the suburbs. I know, David, you mentioned you guys have a project in Norwood.
5: We have a project in Norwood. We have projects in Revere, multiple projects in Revere. And uh, quite honestly, I think that um, the sort of the circumference of what people call transit oriented development is growing. Um, you know, we have a project that's about a half a mile from any MBTA station and our client still thinks of that as transit. It's not an MBTA site, but it's close enough that people can walk or use other last mile, you know, in weather like yesterday, use other last mile solutions, but still get to the city really quickly. Um, the suburban sites actually offer some great opportunities for that, level of housing that's really necessary in the city, Um, workforce, young professionals, uh, not the super luxury, but really high quality housing with great access to downtown, which the city really needs in order to continue the the growth that that we're seeing right now.
3: Arrow Street's a big part of that. I know I forgot to mention that you guys are involved with Back Bay as well, Uh, the concourse work. uh, We've been working with your your team, fantastic folks. Uh, We're at 30% design for the concourse redesign. Uh, We're sort of on a hold pattern. We're trying to solve the ventilation issues at Back Bay Station, Uh, but as soon as they're solved, and one part of it is almost solved, as people can see going down to the platforms of tracks one, two, and three, Uh, we have the first part of that project, uh, which, which is an air separation between the platform and concourse. Once we solve that issue with uh, fumes coming up onto the concourse, then we can move on to the ventilation at the platforms, and then the, we can kick into the into the concourse work that Arrow Street is a, a big part of. Yeah, I think what's
5: exciting for us in a project like that is taking something that's you know utilitarian but making it a space that people want to actually be in, and you know working with you, Brian and, and Elizabeth, your team as well, and doing predictive modeling of how people are going to move through the station uh, to understand where we can redevelop some of the spaces. It's not just a question of, you know, you need a huge line of uh, gates for people to flow through. You can, you can actually predict now with, with technology, how people can flow and where we can create
3: amenity spaces within that station. Absolutely, That's it exactly. I mean, we're, I mean, you guys have proposed and, and Boston Properties has, has, has agreed um, to put in some retail for us to be able to use that revenue to keep the station going and keep it up, um, and it, which is, I think, a fantastic idea. Very excited.
1: Um, so let's talk about logistical issues um, that can be that you guys can run into during construction of these projects since you're so close to the trains and the train stations um, to ensure that service is not interrupted for passengers.
5: I can start that. Uh, you know, it, it varies. Every single project is unique. So there's no one answer. Um, the work that we're doing in some of the you know, more suburban locations. Really, the issue is um, making sure that any of the equipment, any of the construction equipment, couldn't have an accident and potentially file the tracks and cause uh, impacts in that way. There's always pedestrian safety, making sure that the egress and access to the stations is uninterrupted, un- accessible, and safe at all times. Um, some of the more urban locations. Uh, you know, It's vibration, it's how do you get the foundation systems in, how do you build in around above, uh, and sometimes under some of these locations, how do you get the foundations into a station where you've got an underground um, train track running. So those are things, every project is unique and we have to look at those. Uh, and, and Elizabeth, you said it, getting to the MBTA early and understanding what the constraints um, what their their button, hot buttons are for those sites.
4: And oftentimes when we're managing the public process and the, the permitting for some of these projects, it's really important to get this information into the public so that they have a conversation on, you know, how their lives will be impacted because you know that they will be impacted. And many times it's getting the information to them so they understand and so that they can comment on it and we can adjust, you know, those plans, the construction management plans beforehand so we really get that public feedback, which I think is important as well.
2: Yeah, these, aren't, these projects, especially in inner city, um, aren't for the faint of heart. You've got to be really thoughtful about the complexity of these. I always tell the story about I was in, the, in our foundations in the area where we're building the Star Market, which will be the largest grocery store in the city of Boston, and I saw this flash go by and I go, what was that? And they go, oh, that was the subway going by. And. Um, then you get to ground level and we have a train station with 65,000 people a day, plus an event center that has 265 nights a year with things going on. And you combine all that with, uh, Peter, your people are really connected to your customer on the, on the trains, they, they they talk to you daily. And we would make moves on the sidewalks and we'd have feedback within two hours whether it was the right move or not. Yeah, it's uh, Twitter. I was yeah. gonna say, wait, two hours, that's a delay. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. it's a lot faster yeah. than that. Yeah. But it, uh, it's a lot of coordination, and you've got to be committed to it to, to make it work for sure.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, Brian, you know, you touched on it. Uh, yeah, basically, what Elizabeth said is come early and come often. Uh, the, the sooner we have developer folks and their teams come in and visit with us, the better idea they'll have for their performers, for their for their folks that they're representing, for the public. Um, that's really key, and it, it's it, it is slowly changing. Uh, we are getting out there. We do have some, some TOD guidelines that we have put out, um, and they are very helpful. Um, and it is allowing folks to get a better I- idea of what's really involved when you're working right next to the train or you're working over the train or you're going to be constructing near the train. Um, so I think from, from that standpoint, it's 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 gotten a lot better, but uh, it could st- it could still be even better if we get folks to come in a lot earlier.
1: So what other projects are you guys working on um, that are transit-oriented development um, that you're excited about uh, for the for the future Elizabeth oh
4: well we're really excited uh, working with HYM on Suffolk Downs Um, and this is obviously Peter we've been in touch with you several several times um, on this project Uh, it has two MBTA stops at either end of the site Um, and uh, the site is really large so it's walking back and forth is you know it's a matter of miles, um, a mile to for the MBTA stops. So um, it's really transformative for East Boston Revere and the larger community. But um, it's the opportunity that we can work on this together and come out with a, with a good solution is really exciting.
3: Yeah, one of the stations, Suffolk Downs, is in, is in pretty poor condition, so we're sort of hoping development will step up. Uh, they're going to be introducing a lot of folks to that area uh, and we're sort of, uh, they are, they have stepped up already with some code analyses and and some visions of what the station uh, should have in terms of amenities and, and capacities. So we're sort of hoping development will continue to step up like that, HYM steps up like they have before uh, and sort of bring some upgrades to that station, which is uh, very badly needed.
5: So, yeah, so I'll touch base on it. I mean, we, we have one client who's really committed to the blue line. So we. We've done uh, two buildings for them in Revere and you know, they've got another one as well. And between those three buildings, they have over 700 units, uh, just, just that one developer. There are others that have other buildings there as well. And they're now looking at East Boston and continue to look along that blue line corridor. They think it's you know, one of the most convenient and the best ways to get in the city. Um, I also, I touched base on the sort of conceptual stuff we're doing um, at just, just beyond South Station. Um, and we're also, um, you know, looking at Assembly, not not Assembly Row, but the other site that's closer to the highway. Again, really easy access to the Orange Line.
4: That's a hot area um, overall. Yeah, that it corridor. is.
5: It's, a, it's it's a you know, the amount of work that uh, federal has done yep. uh, for Assembly Row, is, and it just continues to grow with Puma moving in. And uh, this Assembly site is incredibly visible, amazing views of the city.
2: Yeah, for us, um, long-term transportation hub properties and development are absolutely consistent with our strategy, uh, not only for our clients, but our long-term ownership. We think the future is about transportation. It's going to be critical, and we want to be in the best possible locations for that. But for the time being, we've got a full plate. We've got to deliver the hub this October, opening up all our retail along with the residential. Uh, we'll be working on Back Bay Station over the next five years or so. And, uh, and then also one that's a little bit forgotten is Kendall Square. We still uh, have all our properties there, and we're uh, increasing the density on our building above the train station or the subway stop there at Kendall uh, threefold uh, to satisfy the needs of that customer in there. And that's a great example of technology loves, loves mass transit.
3: Uh, I guess one area that's, that's, that's sort of going to be transformed uh, probably starting uh, late summer is the area near the corner of Boylston and Mass Ave. Um, there's several uh, joint parcels there, MassDOT and MBTA air Rights parcels. There's the parcel 15 project which uh, will be starting, uh, like I said, this summer. That's going to be a large project that's going to uh, straddle the commuter rail side of the tracks. Uh, Boylston and Mass Ave. Then there's the Parcel 13 project uh, which is going to uh, transform um, Hind Station into a, a completely accessible station which is, is it's not that right now so that developer is helping us do that and then Parcel 12 which is a Samuels parcel um, which is going to be west of the Mass Ave bridge uh, if you're facing Fenway and that's a large development with a lot of public space Uh, They're going to uh, open up uh, an abandoned pedestrian tunnel we used to have uh, that's still there uh, for for, uh, folks to use uh, on the west side of Mass Ave to be able to access um, uh, Hind Station under Mass Ave. Instead of streaming across in droves, uh, they can go down into the station uh, that way. So that's going to be exciting.
4: You know, it's really interesting. What you're talking about is these complicated sites that are air right sites there's nothing easy about them, and so all of the logical, more easy sites have have been developed, if that's safe to say. And now the ones that are challenging, the air rights projects, the the ones that have so much hair on them that it's a really interesting project to work on, and they're and they're moving forward. So that's really exciting.
3: Yeah, I think that's why it's taken so long. They're they're not simple, like you said, Elizabeth. They're very complicated, multifaceted. A number of modes of transportation, um, moving parts. Everything still has to has to function. Uh, we can't just shut down the T. We can't. You know, close down Mass, uh, the Massachusetts Turnpike. So uh, we're just moving ahead.
2: I do think we're um, underestimating what Massachusetts has accomplished so far because we have a perspective of seeing other cities, and um, other cities are dreaming about what we're doing. Let's just take the hub. It's got to be one of, if not one of the largest, didn't it? Top five in America for transportation hub properties—a So seven square feet. You know, six hundred thirty thousand square feet. New tower for Verizon's innovation headquarters. Um, I think we're underestimating what we've accomplished in a lot of ways, Peter. A little plug for you guys, but it's there's a lot going on here that other cities are very envious of because they don't even have the basic infrastructure.
3: Yeah, we're we're terribly busy. It's not. It hasn't. It's not stopping in any way. Um, so. Thanks to you folks um, and other development, um, we are very excited and very fortunate to be able to be a part of these projects that are that are putting back into into the infrastructure that's uh, that that we have.
4: Peter, sincere appreciation. We are in um, many working group meetings with you folks, with you and um, folks from MassDOT. So, taking the time to have those bi weekly meetings or bi monthly meetings to make sure that the team is moving forward and that everyone's coordinated. And it's just so many people from your end that you know are doing all these different things that you coordinate. And we really appreciate that. That's great to hear.
3: That's great yeah. to hear. Thank you.
1: Thank you thank all you. so much for joining us on the Big Dig.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Big Dig. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Check out buildup.com for all the latest CRE news. And visit naopma.org to learn more about joining Boston's largest commercial real estate organization. That's N-A-I-O-P-M-A.org and bldup.com.